All right. Um, if you could please open up to Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. We're going to be there today. I hope it's not too far from your, uh, from your bookmark. I hope your bookmark is right there in Nehemiah. Or actually, it should be in Esther right now. We started Esther today. <clears throat> so I actually have some good news. Uh, so just to kind of give a little testimony. So uh, God's been good. I, I saw a miracle happen this week, actually. Uh, so you know how we have school clubs. Well, uh, something that happened at my work was now we have a work club uh, up in Arlington. If anybody wants to visit, anybody wants to visit our, uh, our work clubs up in Arlington? Anybody? No? Okay, guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have uh, me and my friend. Actually, he was supposed to come here today from, from my work. His name is Nathan, but he couldn't make it because uh, he saw a lady that was broke down on the freeway, and so he helped her out. And uh, he's, you know, a nice guy, but uh, so he didn't make it, so he he said, yeah, I can't make it today. He's changing a water pump right now. But uh, he's like, you know, I want to do a Bible study. And after New York, I came, I came here, and I'm like, God, I want to do something at my work, you know. I'm going to schools, and, and I'm talking there, but I want to do something at my work. I really want to. And I'm like, open up a door, you know. And so he's like, and I was talking to him, and I'm like, what if, what if we read the Bible during lunch? And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. So we started outside, and then we moved it inside in the cafeteria where all the people are sitting. And so we're reading, and they're listening to us read the Bible, and they're asking questions, you know. And I'm really not used to really uncomfortable around, like, guys that are, like, cursing all the time, you know. And so it's like you're, you're talking about God, and then you hear guys cursing, and then they're asking questions. And it's, but it's, it's interesting. It's really, it's, it's like, okay, God, God really did it. Open up a door, and, uh, and you know, it's, it's awesome. Like, people are interested, and they want to know, and I get to explain to people about the righteousness of God and, and explain the difference. And, and people are, you know, they're, they're ready to receive, and it's, it's good. Uh, so today I wanted to talk about something that God showed me yesterday. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 36. <clears throat> um, and I'm going to read from 36 down, okay. Uh, it says, But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our forefathers, so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. So, here we got Israel, right? And they, uh, they came from Babylon or whatever, Persia now, uh, and they came from exile, and they are, uh, they came, you, you guys know the story, they came to fix the wall, and now they're, they rebuilt Jerusalem, and here they are, they're turning to God, and they, they're desperate for God here. They want to be in the right standing with God, and so here they're making a prayer. They're saying, God, uh, you know, we, we, want, we want to turn to you. They realize, you know what, it was our sins that, that brought this on us. It was what we did. Uh, we didn't we didn't turn to you enough and now it was because of our sins we're here now we got kings over us and and here it looks like you know what they are doing the right thing I'm like reading this I'm like Israel good job it's about time you guys are finally doing something right you know they're they're finally repenting and 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 it's just the right thing and it's and you see you know they're in and, and when I read this I'm like man look at that they're in uh, they're in captivity 
right? They can't do anything about captivity. They're, they got a nation over them, Persia, big nation. It was ginormous. Just It went from uh, India to Ethiopia. It was a huge chunk of land, and they're the boss, and they're not going to rebuild. They're not going to have their own land anytime soon, but yet they're still, they still want to change, yet they still want to turn to God even though they get no benefits, you know. That's, that's a word, that's another, that's a whole other message, you know. But, you know, and it looks like everything is good. And then if we keep reading, uh, we're going to skip all the names who sealed it. You know, they put a stamp on it. And then it says the rest of the people, uh, verse, sorry, verse 28, chapter 10, verse, 20, verse 28. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who separate all who separated themselves from neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters, who are able to understand, all these now join their brothers and the, the, their brothers, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath with a curse. That's you can note that or you'll remember it later. And to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, decree, and decrees of the Lord our God. Okay, so they said, all right, we're, we're going to, you know, we put a stamp on it, you know, we sealed it, that the people signed their signatures, like on the Declaration of Independence or something, everybody signed it, and here they put their stamp on it, they said, well, this is what we're going to do, and it's like, man, this is a good thing, they're doing, they're doing the right thing, and then we read later, and they decide to give God some promises, okay, they promised God three things, okay, let's look at the first one, verse 30. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the people around us or to take their daughters for our sons. So they said, okay, we will not allow our children to marry their children or we're not going to intermarry. We're not going to get involved with them. God said in Deuteronomy, he said, uh, don't intermarry with the pagan nations around you because it's going to lead you into idol worship. Okay, so that's the first promise. Let's look at the second promise, verse 31. When the neighboring peoples... Bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath. We will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we will forego working the land and will cancel all debts. Okay, so here we see the second promise. Is they say, God, we're, gonna, we're not going to go on the harvest or on the harvest. We're not going to work. We're not going to sell. Even if there's a good sale, you know, if there's a buy one, get one free, whatever. We're not going to buy it. We're not going to sell anything. We're going to dedicate that day to God. Second promise. Third promise. It's kind of a long one, but we'll just read certain verses. In verse 32, we assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God. Or it's one-eighth of, of an ounce of, uh, of silver. And, and then it goes on later, you know, 36, it says, also, as, also it is written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering there. So pretty much they're saying, and then in the last, last sentence it says, last sentence of, verse 10, of chapter 10, we will not neglect the house of our God. So pretty much that whole thing sums up, we will not neglect God's house. We will dedicate what we need to. We will bring God our tithes. We're going to dedicate him, our firstborn sons. We're going to give God what he deserves. So they made these promises, right? Three promises, big promises, you know, this is by the word of God, and, and they said, God, we're going to do this. They bound themselves with an oath and a curse. They said, if we don't do this, we're cursed. So they made these big things, this big promise, and then let's see if they keep it, okay? So they have three promises. Let's see if they're going to keep it. And so Nehemiah returns. So Nehemiah, he leaves for 12 years, right? 
Nehemiah left to back because, you know, he told the king, I got to go. Listen, Nehemiah had the best job in the world, okay? He was, uh, he was the cupbearer to the king. All he had to do was come up to the king, give him, make sure that the wine or the, the juice, whatever he gave, make sure it has no uh, poison in it. If it had poison, that was a bad job, you know, it was kind of end right there. But as long as it was not poisonous, all you do is take a drink, give it to the king, you live in the palace. I mean, who wouldn't want a job like that? I mean, man, I, would, I, I want a job like that. You don't do nothing, man, and you get to be with the king, and it's just awesome. But So he leaves that job. He goes into, you know, Judah, which was just a mess over there. He goes, fixes everything. They build a wall just miraculously by the grace of God. And then he goes back. He comes back there. He's like, okay, I got to finish working. In 12 years, he's like, you know what, let me see how things are going over there. I want to see what happened. So he comes over there, and what does he find? What does Nehemiah find? All right, so they made three promises, right? Let's look at the first one. It starts in verse 7, second, second sentence of verse 7. Here I learned about the evil things Eliashib had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. I was greatly displeased and threw all Tobiah's, all Tobiah's household, household goods out of the room. I gave orders to purify the room, and then I put it back into them, into them the equipment of the house of God with the grain offering and the incense. Verse 10, I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not yet had not been given to them, and that all the Levites and singers responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. So I rebuked the officials and asked them, why is the house of God neglected? Then I called them together and stationed them at their post. All Judah brought the tithes of grain, new wine, and oil into the storerooms. Then he put people in charge. So we see the first, first thing that happens. What did they say? They said, we're not going to neglect the temple of God, right? They said that. Remember, they put it in writing. What do they do? They neglect the temple of God. You see, Tobiah, do you guys know who Tobiah is? Tobiah, Tobiah. He's in the beginning of Nehemiah. Uh, he said he was the enemy of Nehemiah. He was the one that was spread rumors he was starting, you know, he, he, try, he tried to stop. They tried to kill Nehemiah, all these things. And here he is. I don't know what is he doing in the temple of God. What is, like, why does he have a room there? And, and so he takes it, he takes all stuff, throws it out of there. And he's like, why? They're, they neglected the temple. They neglected it completely. People didn't bring stuff there. So we see the first promise, they didn't keep it. Second promise, what was it? It was uh, to honor the Sabbath, right? Let's see if they did that. Okay, verse Let's see, starting from verse 15. In those days, I saw men in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys, together with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore, I warned them against selling food on that day. Men from Tyre, Tyre, who lived in Jerusalem, were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this wicked thing you are doing, desecrating the Sabbath day? Didn't your forefathers do the same thing so that our God brought all this calamity upon us and upon the city? Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. So we see, you know, Israel couldn't stop themselves. They started working on the Sabbath, you know, either had a really good deal or something. Macy's had clearance or whatever, I don't know. But they started selling and buying stuff, you know. And I don't know, maybe, maybe they, they had to do it on that day or something, but they didn't keep their promise. Uh, and then third promise, they said that, uh, 
They said they will not intermarry with the people. Let's see if they kept that promise. All right, verse, uh, starting from verse 23. Moreover, in those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples, and I did not, and, and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and called curses down on them. See, they cursed themselves. This guy calls curses on them too. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. <laughs> Somebody say, ouch. And pulled out their hair. Okay. I made them take an oath in God's name and said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to, to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourselves. Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? Among the many nations, there was no God like him. He was loved by his God, and, and God made him king over all Israel, but even he was led into sin by foreign women. Must we hear now that you too are, being, are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? One of the sons of jo- Joid, Joida, Joida, whatever, son of Eliashib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sambalat the Horonite, and I drove him away from me. I love it in the new, new translation, New Living Translation. It says, so I banished him from my presence. I don't know. I read that yesterday. I was just, I was laughing because just imagine what is it, how does it look like when somebody banishes somebody from their presence? It's like he's like, you know, I banished you from my presence. Angel picked him up, you know, threw him or I don't know. But he, who, who was sent, uh, this guy who married, pretty much this guy, the, the grandson of the high priest, ended up marrying the daughter of Sambalat. Who was Sambalat? Sambalat was the other guy that opposed Jeremiah, or sorry, Nehemiah, opposed Nehemiah with Tobiah. So the two guys, Tobiah, Tobiah sleeping in the temple, and Sambalat's daughter is married to the high priest's grandson. It's like this big, you know, controversy, and, and they, got, they got some drama over there. I don't know what's going on. But so we see that this last thing, they didn't keep that promise either. So three out of three promises, they kept zero, right? There's 0 for 3, they, three strikes are out. You know, so what happened? What happened to them? Why did that happen? They had the right heart or they had the right idea, but they never went through with it. And I see many times that's us. How many times do we promise God, God, I'm going to do this. God, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this. I promise from now on that's, that's what I'm going to do. And a lot of times... Do those promises go through? Not really, you know. A lot of times, we're, it's emotions. It's emotion, emotionally driven. We buy emotions. We say, God, I'm gonna do this, and then, and then, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, hey, how did that, how did that work out? Did you do that? Uh, no, not really. Uh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Uh, yeah, and so we forget about the promises that we make because a lot of things are emotionally driven. We, our emotions get involved, and we're, and we're all hyped up on emotions, and and. And, and we, we, make, we make a decision, and 30 minutes later, like, what did I just say? I can't believe I said that, you know? And, and, we, and we have to understand, why, why is that happening? They were driven by emotions. You know, a lot of times in songs, uh, there's like an emotional moment. You guys know that moment where, there's, where it like builds up? Is this build up? Is this, is this is, you know, you get into this good part of the song, and then, and then you know, some people, like, that's when they pray. You know what I'm that's, uh, that's when they pray. That's, that's the part where they're like, yeah, they start praying. And then when it's over, they stop praying. And, and what, what is that? Was, was that the presence of God? No, that was, that was emotions. That was emotionally driven. That God doesn't, God isn't like, okay, the song's over, I'm going to leave, you know. No, God doesn't leave when the song's over. You know, when, 
when, when we feel his presence, we change, right? In his presence, we change. But, but when it's something is emotional, it's, it's, it's just hyped up, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't produce the change. We try, and, and, and we see over time nothing really happening. And, and we see it over time. It's, it's like, how's that going? Ah, oh, not really. It's, it's not really going. And, and we wonder why. You know, we, we can hype, hype ourselves up in, in these emotional moments. We can hype ourselves up, but you can't hype up the presence of God. You can't, you can't build up the presence. You can, every single time, you can make a formula. You can build up, you know, even, even in songs, a lot of times in songs, it gets really emotional. And, you know, we love that. We love emotions, and we need emotions. You know, I don't think we ever, nobody got saved without emotions. Nobody feel, got filled with the Holy Spirit without emotions. But emotions doesn't, you know, that, that, that's, not the, that, that's, that's not only where the Spirit of God is. And, and, and here uh, we got, you know, people that, are, that, are, that have this moment. They're like, yeah, I was in the presence of God. They thought they were, but they weren't really. Because, you know, the presence of God doesn't leave when, when the song stops. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop. And, and, you know, people think that they can enter in, you know, guns blazing like, God, I, I want this. I want to get in your presence. That's not how you get into the presence of God. You, you come before God with, with fear and trembling. You come before him with, with deep respect. And it says we boldly come before God. Yeah, we can come boldly because we're his children. But we've got to come with respect. We've got to come with, with uh, humility. With, you know, that's how you enter into God's presence. You don't, you don't build up what God's presence, you enter into it with humility. And we're just going to look at the things that, uh, the three things, what, what happened with Israel, why, when they, when they made these, and we're going to come back to this later at the end, but we're going to look at these things real quick. Uh, so what's the first thing that, that happened? They neglected the temple, right? Why did they neglect the temple? What caused? They said, we're going we're gonna to honor it. Why did they neglect it? Their priorities were wrong. Their priorities were off. It was not right. Uh, they wanted to do the right thing, but their priorities were not right. Uh, I remember we, we did a test. I did a test in my G12, um, and I said, okay, you know what? We're gonna, I wanted to see just what their priorities were. So I was like, okay, guys, let's write down on a piece of paper, what are your priorities? And they're like, what? How do we do that? So I was like, just write out your schedule. Just what, how, what do you do every day? Okay, and so they wrote it down. And, and I mean, let's agree, if something is a priority, it would be first it would, be, it would be, you know, it would be something that, that you do every single day that you don't miss. You know, for me, I love eating a big breakfast. I love, I cannot, if I don't eat a big breakfast, that's it, man. It's, I'm, I'm struggling the rest of the day. Anybody else like that, you need to eat a big breakfast? Yeah, okay. You guys, you get, there's some smart people right there. I don't know how people do it without, like, does it, I don't know how people go with their whole day without eating, like until lunch. Does anybody go without eating until lunch? Oh, you guys are crazy. Man, I cannot do that. I'd like, I'd like pass out. I don't know. But it's, you know, for me, it's a priority. And what's interesting is uh, on most of them, Bible reading was at the end of the day. It was towards the end. And, and so we had a little uh, conversation about that. And I believe that they received something. <laughs> amen. All the guys that were there said amen. Come on, guys. Oh, man. We'll talk about that later, okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but with, you know, we have, to, we have to understand how God thinks. Because God says, bring your, bring your first fruit, right? Your, uh, the best thing that you have. Bring the best that you have. The, what, what, you, what you 
value the most. Bring it to me. You know, he said, bring your firstborn cattle. Uh, you know, sacrifice that. Bring something, you know, your first fruit, something that you just want to take a bite out of. Don't eat it. Bring it to me, you know. Don't eat what you want. Like, don't, don't get for yourself. Give it to me. We say, well, that's not fair. Well, he's got, you know. He gets the best. He gets the best, you know. That's just how it is. And David said, I will not give a sacrifice that costs me nothing. David understood. You know, we have to understand the heart of God. When God says, when God says something in the Old Testament, it, it shows his mind. It shows how he, how's he, how he thinks. You know, it's like when you, when you look at a successful person, okay, you got a successful person. A lot of times, I like to, I like to hear what they say, and I, and I like to try to understand why they say it. I like to understand how they think. Not only what they said, but why did they say it? You know, what is the reason for them saying that? You know, because why? Because that's, that's where their success comes from. And you look at God, and God, you know, he says, uh, when he, throughout the, whole, te- throughout the whole, whole Old Testament, he would say, uh, you know, he would give spe- specific measurements. Specific measurements. God likes details. God likes, you know, he would, he would make everything so crystal clear. He likes order. God is a God of order. That's his mind. That's how he thinks. And one of the things that God would always say throughout, throughout, you know, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers, he would always say, bring me your first fruits. Bring me the best. He would always say that. If you look, that's because that's, that's how God thinks. And he values our priorities. When we prioritize our life, he values it. He values, when we value him, he values us. When, when we value his priorities, when we put priorities, his priorities, and, and we say, God, I'm going to give you the best, in the morning, not at night. You know, nobody likes leftovers, right? I do, not, I do not like eating leftover pizza. I don't know about you guys. Do you guys like leftover pizza? Uh, I cannot. I mean, compare leftover pizza and, and when it's freshly made. Anybody, it's, you, can't, you can't even compare it. You know, try eating chicken that's a week old. You just, you just eat it just to eat it, you know? Just, you, don't, you don't get any taste from it. And God, God loves when we give him something, when we give something that's, that's hot, you know, that's fresh, our, our time something that's going to cost us something. That's why we got to prioritize. They had wrong priorities. Israel had wrong priorities. They put priorities over, over the temple of God. That's why they neglected it. Um, what was another thing? Uh, the second thing, they didn't honor the Sabbath, right? They did not honor the Sabbath. They were selling stuff on the Sabbath. Uh, when we honor, and what, what, it wasn't only the Sabbath. They didn't honor God. God, Jesus said, uh, the Sabbath was not created to meet the, uh, to meet, how do they say? Man was not created to meet the needs of the Sabbath, but the Sabbath day was created to meet the needs of the people. So the Sabbath day was created for us. God made the Sabbath, why? Not only so that we can sit around and do nothing. I'm pretty sure, you know, Israel, they didn't sit around on their couches watching, you know, soap operas all day long. No, that's not what God wanted them to do, right? He didn't want them to become lazy. But, but God said, you know, take this day and honor me. Remember me. Remember God. Think about him. Take a whole day and think about me. Uh, give it to me. And, and Israel, it was more, they, they thought, you know what, it was better for them to, to think about other stuff. They thought about selling. They, they thought about buying stuff. In, in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, it says, Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that never should be done. It says, you know, throughout that whole chapter, it, it talks about how people forgot about God. They forgot about, they knew God, but they forgot about him, and they did not want to worship him. And, and here, Israel is again forgetting God. They forgot uh, to, you know, 
I talked to, I talked to my G12 a couple weeks ago about convenience. A lot, a lot of things are not convenient. You know, I like when things are convenient. I like when things are, you know, convenient, efficient. You know, why would you go from point A to point B, take a circle? No, you just go straight there. You know, it's efficient, convenient. But a lot of times, serving God is not convenient. It is not convenient at all. And, and how I wish that was not the case, that is the case. A lot of times, serving God is not convenient. Either you got to, you know, set aside time for prayer. It's not convenient. You know, you can say, well, it's not convenient for me to come to prayer. You know, every, every Friday or every Sunday we have, and Friday too, every Sunday we got prayer. You know, oh, it's not convenient for me to come to prayer. Oh, it's not convenient for me to start a school club. It's not convenient for me to, uh, you know, to, to read the Bible in the morning. It's not convenient for me to, to serve God, to, to be in a ministry. It's not convenient. A lot of things are not convenient. And here for Israel, it was more convenient for them to sell, to buy stuff. It was more convenient. It was better. They didn't want to, to, you know, to take a day and set it aside for God. But that's, that, that's not, that doesn't matter because God said, you know what, set aside this time. And we will not grow in God if we keep things convenient, everything convenient, everything just. And I don't believe that our life needs to be crazy, but a lot of times we need to, get, we, we need to be feeling like, you know what, this isn't convenient, but I must do it because God has called me to do it. And that will happen. And, you know, if you want to grow in God, you want to grow in Christ, then you got to get ready for some inconvenience. you got to be ready for inconvenience. It's going to happen. Sooner or later, God will tell you to do something. You know, you're, you have this planned out, and God will say, you know what, I want you not to do that. Go to church, do this, do that. And you're going to say, you know what, God, I, that doesn't fit in my plan. But that's, that's, that's the choice that we're going to have to make. Is it convenient? If it's, is it convenient to come every single time to church, every time you can? Not really, but when you have an opportunity, when God says, come, then, and it's not convenient, you know what? We, that's, that's where we grow. That's where we're going to grow. If, if, if we think that we can just go from, you know, immature to mature and, and strong just through the easy route, it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take, it's gonna take uh, going through, through tough times. And uh, the third thing, the third thing that, that what we see is that they intermarried with the people around them and they became just like them. So we see that Sambalat, Tobiah, enemies, right? They were complete enemies, did not like, they, they hated what Nehemiah was doing. How is it that, that when they were serving God, when they were building the wall, they were completely against them? Now they're friends. How did that happen? How, is, how does that happen when something is completely against God and, and, then, and then it's somehow it's on the same page. It just, that just doesn't click in my mind. You know, in the 1950s, uh, Elvis Presley, they would show him on TV. And uh, if you guys remember, I don't know if you guys ever, I never watched Elvis Presley, but I heard this is true. They would only show his upper half. If you guys ever saw a video of him, they would only show his upper half. They would not show past his waist. Why did they do that? Well, back in the day, they thought it was too provocative to show Elvis Presley dancing or moving his feet or whatever he was doing. And they wouldn't even show it on live TV. They wouldn't show it. It was, they just, they put the camera only from his waist to his head. And, and now, I mean, what's going on now? We were at the bowling alley like a month ago and it was the things that we saw. We couldn't watch the screen and we couldn't believe it. There's kids all around and they were showing, I mean, you know, to put it bluntly, it was like soft pornography on the, on the screens that were like, 
I, we cannot believe that they're actually showing this. Now there's nothing, there's nothing holy. It's just, you know, whatever. You can show it. It doesn't matter. There's, who cares? You know, there's nothing bad. And, and you know, and that's just, that's in the world. What about the church, you know? What about, what about when, when, you know, back in the day it was considered a sin. Now it's all of a sudden. It's, it's normal. It's, you know, I mean, uh, homosexuality was considered a, a mental disorder back in the day. Now it's, you know, a lifestyle. It's a choice. You know, back in the day, people, they looked down upon drinking. You know, don't, you know drinking was bad. Now they're, uh, they're selling alcohol in churches. In, in churches. It's, it's, it's real. Now they have a couple of churches where they sell alcohol. And you're like, what happened? Back before, it was, no, it was the church just completely ruled it out. Now all of a sudden it's okay. And, you know, I, I like to think, oh, I don't like to think that I'm old school. But a lot of times I am old school. You know, I mean, I got a piece of paper I'm old school, you know. I don't have an iPad. <laughs> so I am, I, I, like, I, like, I like to think that sometimes I am old school. But, you know, old school is, is the right school. Yeah. Old school is, is, is the right school, man. Yeah. The old, old school songs, they're anointed. You know what I'm saying? Old school, a lot of times we, we, we try to be, you know, modern and stuff. But a lot of times old school is the right way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, that, that, that's where the power is. And, uh, but, you know, we can't, we can't see something that was a sin before and then now look at it as something that's oh it's fine you know they intermarried with the culture they said you know what that's bad you cannot do that but they said you know what now it's now it's fine it's it's there's no problem when we start seeing things that 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 people are saying this is a sin don't do it and we start we start saying there's no problem then we got to be careful we got to be really careful you know you say oh there's no problem with listening to secular music Oh, there's no problem with this. It's not bad. No, I see you got to be careful because you're, you're playing with, with, with sin right there. You know, you can say, well, there's nothing wrong with watching this movie or doing this. But you got to be careful because that, that is where the world, that is where that spirit, it says, you know what? We are now just like the world. There's no difference. Now, a lot of times, there's no difference between Christians and non-Christians. They have the same lifestyle. How is that that, you know, Paul said, we read it, we read it today in uh, Acts 26. Paul said, uh, I preached the gospel and I told them to repent and show that their lifestyle was, was changed. To show by their deeds that they changed. And, and you know what? Uh, we have to be different. You know, people say, well, you can't, you can't be, you can't, we can't say that we're better than, than, than the world. We're not better than them. We're not saying we're better, but we are different. Jesus said, don't. Don't be, you, you're, you're in the world, but not of it. You're in it, but you're not part of it. You're there, but you're not there at the same time. You're not, you're not part of them. You're not, if, if there is nothing separating between you and somebody that's not Christian, then, then, you got, then that, that's a caution flag. You got you, you to ask yourself, what is going on? Because, because if there's no difference between us, what's to, what's to separate us be, between the world? And you know what? That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to bring uh, just uh, uh, this gray thing into this church where now everything's the same. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, if you, if that, that's what happened in, uh, I remember we were talking about this at group. So happened during uh, Kings when, when there was a good king in Judah. When there was a good king, what did he do? He took all the idols out of, out of Judah, out of the temple. When there was a bad king, he brought them in. And, and I mean, they brought it, I mean, they got it to the point where, where they had, uh, I think Dima was telling us, they had the Asherah poles inside the temple, and they had a house of, uh, of prostitutes of Baal inside the temple of God. They had like, 
uh, a, for, like a little housing for them. And they, they were there in the temple of God. And that's what the devil, and he's, the devil's been doing that way back then, and he wants to do that today. He wants to bring just this, where, where the world and us is just like the same thing. And, and we can't have the same lifestyle. Uh, and so, you know, to go back to my point where I started about emotions, you know, we, when, we, when we say, yeah, God, I want to change, and we start to, to think about our emotions, um, and I've been really thinking about this, is, you know, thoughts. Uh, it, says in, um, it says in Romans chapter 13, it says, don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't let yourself think. Not saying that, that don't do it. It says don't let yourself think. You know, now we live in, in a fantasy world. We live in, we live in a world that, that has fantasy above reality. I remember one time uh, in high school, some, some kid was, he was sitting by me in computer class, and he was twitching, like, like he's twitching, he's shaking. And I'm like, are you, are you okay? And, and, he's, and he's like, yeah, man, I've been playing World of Warcraft for like three days straight. He hasn't slept in two nights. And I'm like, are you serious? And it's this, it's this fantasy world that just sucked him in, and, he's, and, and he thinks it's real. You know, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe he thinks it's real. And, you know, they had a kid in Louisiana one time played Call of Duty or some, some video game, played it for hours and hours and hours until he thought it was real life, and he killed somebody. He actually went and killed somebody. He called the cops on himself. And, and, and it's like, why? Because he, he, his fantasy became reality for him. And, and you know, we live in a world where, where things are, and, and that's the thing that's going to stop us, you know, as, as I think about it more and more. It's what stops us from, from the will of God and from growing in God is our thoughts, our mind, our, our emotions, things that we fantasize about, things that we, that we think on, that we... That, that we dwell on, you know. And Jesus said, if you look upon a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. It's not, it's not that you did it, it's that you thought about doing it. You know how many times we're like, man, I'm going to tell, you know, if I could tell a piece of my mind to this person, I would tell him this, 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 and this. I would, I would go off on him and like, are you going to do it? No, no, I wouldn't do it. Oh, come on, man, I can't. That's bad, you know. But I, I would, you know, if I could, I would. But see, that's the problem. We are, you already thought about it. The thought, that, the thought already happened. It's, for Jesus, it's the same thing. The same thing as you doing it. You thought about it. And that's, 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 where, that's where we get tripped up and we start fantasizing about certain things. We start thinking about it, and it's not God's will. It's not, it's not his will. It's, it's, it's emotions. It's, it's our mind. It's, it's we, we play with ourselves, and, and we, we convince ourselves that, that, that this is real, but it's not. And it's completely fake. And that's, the devil wants us in that place where we're lying to ourselves. And so you say, okay. How do I change? How do I do this thing? What, what do I do? If I really want to change, what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Esther, Esther chapter 2. <laughs> Esther chapter 2, verse 15. It's a good question. Good question. Esther chapter 2. Uh, we read this today. Or at least I hope you read it today. <clears throat> and verse 15. It's just a couple pages to the right. Chapter 2, verse 15. It says in the, um, in the second part, or actually, yeah, the whole chapter, or the whole verse, sorry. When the turn came for Esther, the girl Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abihail, to go to the king. She asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who was with 
Everyone who saw her, she won the favor. Hold on, I'm going to get some drink, okay? That's okay with you guys. I like the cups better, but it's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so what, what, happens, what happens here? Uh, we, see, we see three people, right? We see, uh, we see the, uh, the, the white, or the, we see Esther, the girl. We see uh, the Haggai who was the eunuch who was in charge of getting her ready for the king. Actually, we don't see the king here, but let's, let's say we see the king also. Okay, so what is this a picture of? This is a picture of the king Xerxes represents Jesus, okay? Represents uh, who Jesus is. This is, this is, this is Jesus. Uh, Esther is, we're Esther, the bride. We are the ones that are being prepared. And Haggai is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit prepares us for the king. And that was the story today. He prepared Esther for the king. And so we see, what did Esther, this is the blueprint right now. This is a very important, this is a very important line, okay? We can't, we can't miss this part right here. It says that uh, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. She asked for nothing except what he suggested. She didn't need anything except what the king suggested for her to have. And you, could, you can miss it, but there's, there's, there's a revelation there. We are the, the bride. We are being prepared by the Holy Spirit to meet the king. And, and we need to come to a place where we ask for nothing except for what God wants. We ask for nothing except what God, through the Holy Spirit, is telling us. Okay, because God is preparing us. God, is, God wants to prepare us. And a lot of times you say, man, I want to change. I want to I get this thing out of my life. But you never, you've never gotten to that place where you say, God, I want what you want me to have. And that's the problem is we, we change by our own emotions, but we never, we never say, God, whatever you want, that's what I want. She came to a place where whatever Haggai said, that's what she was going to do. Whatever he said, he said, this is what you need. She said, okay, that's what I need. And she got to a place where whatever he suggested, that's who she became. Her identity, okay, her identity was, was what Haggai said it was. And when we place our identity in what God says our identity is, that's where we change. When we come before his presence, when we say, God, what you have, that's what I want. I don't find satisfaction in anything else. I don't find satisfaction in, in clothes. You know, a lot of us, sometimes we, we find satisfaction in clothes. We find it in cars. We find it in money. We find it in education. We find it in Facebook. We find it in comments that people leave. We find it in Instagram, whatever, you know. That's where we find our, our, uh, our worth. That's where we find our identity. That's where we find what, man, that's what I need right there. I need, I need somebody to say something good about me on Facebook or, you know, what, whatever it may be. And we, a lot of times we find our identity in things that are not Christ. And pastor, he was preaching about being in Christ, right, being in Christ. Uh, when we find ourselves in Christ, when we come to a place where we don't want anything except what God wants for us, where we say, you know what, I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care what's going on. 
I find myself in Christ. I find my worth, my, my everything in Him. And when you come to that place and you're able to say that, that's where change happens. Well, hey, that's a little bit radical. Is Yeah, it's a little bit radical. Yeah, it's a little bit. It means you got to give up everything. It, it, see, we're dealing with the heart here. This is the heart of the problem. This is, this is the reason why many times we do not change. That's the reason why, why we get emotional, but nothing happens. That's the reason. Because we never come to the Father and we say, whatever you want me to have, that's what I want. I don't find fulfillment in, in, in hobbies. I don't find fulfillment in sports. Nothing else will satisfy except for you. When you're fully able to say that, I mean, not just saying it like, like, yeah, God, I just said it. No, but I mean, when you mean it with all your heart, you say that, and that's the cry of your heart, that's where change happens. And a lot of, a lot of times we wonder, why does change never happen? Why does, nothing, why does nothing change? How come? That's why. Because we never came to a place where we abandon our, our will and we say, Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. When we, when we come to a place where we find our identity, and, and you know, it's, it's an amazing thing when God fills us with joy. When we have joy from, from God, we get joy from the Father. We, 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 we find fulfillment. It's an awesome thing. Look, not, people don't have that. The world, they go from one thing to another to another. They can never find satisfaction. And we have the source of life. We have the source of hope. That's who Jesus is to us. He's the source. He's, the, he's our rock. He's our, he's our salvation. That's what we stand on. And when, when we lose that, when we lose sight of that, and we try to, when we try to build ourselves up emotionally, I'm going to change. Yeah, I'm going to do it. But nothing happens. Why? Because you've never, you never uh, abandoned yourselves. You never abandoned yourself to God's will. And that's, where, that's what we need to do right there. We need to get into his presence and, and, and find his presence. Not, not, not find a good, you know, emotional, like, you know, moment where we're like, yeah, that was awesome. Oh, man, church was great. No, we need to find his presence. We need to find the real thing, not a copy, not something counterfeit, not something that, that oh, yeah, that was okay. No, no, we need to find something, something real. Amen. We need, we need to find something that, that we come to God and, and where we, where we, Find our fulfillment in Him. And, it, it, you know, we need to understand what that means. We need to understand that to, to get away. You know what? That might mean putting aside, that means putting aside selfish ambition. That might mean, uh, you know what, putting something aside that you really like to do, but you abandon it. You know, you sacrifice it, whatever. Who cares as long as you get into His presence? Like we were praying, like we were singing earlier, I'm hungry, desperate, for, I'm thirsty, desperate, hungry for your presence. You know, that's what we got to be. We got to get to a point where nothing else will satisfy. Not, and not just say that, like, because it sounds good, because, oh, this, we sing that and it sounds good. No, that needs to be what our heart's desire actually is. And uh, today we're going to pray. And uh, we're going to pray so that, you know what, God, God, that we receive from his presence. Not, not something, not just a good, you know, good hype-up moment. No, we don't, we don't need that. We need his presence. We need, we need something real. We need we need to get to a place where, where we find our fulfillment in Christ, not in the things we have, not in the things, not in our dreams, our desires, not in education, not in our job, not in anything else except for Christ. And when we say that, when we mean it with our heart, that's where change really happens. So let's stand up. Right now, let's stand up, and we're just going to begin to pray and seek God and seek his presence. And let's just come into his presence with boldness but at the same time with humility, with, 
with a deep reverence, knowing that God is God. He's a devouring fire. He's our Father. He wants what's best for us. And let's just come to God. And if you, you know, maybe there's just been a time where you know that, you know what, you say, I have not found fulfillment in Christ in a long time. I'm finding fulfillment in things, in, 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 in places, in people, in, in what people say, in what, what's going on at school, what, what, how much money I have. And maybe you, don't, you have not found your fulfillment in Christ, and you've lost it. And I believe that tonight God wants us to, to find that fulfillment in Him once again, to come before Him and find fulfillment, find our joy, our life, our satisfaction in Him. He is the source of life. And if you really, if you really want prayer, you feel like you need that, then you can come up front and just people are going to pray for you. And just come to God tonight hungry, expecting His presence, accept, expecting His, His love, expecting His presence, His anointing, because we need it in our lives. We need it in our lives.